0: And welcome to the show. This is episode number one hundred and fifteen of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about the fugitive on your I don't care podcast. I'm Mandy Kay.
1: And I'm Matthew Vose.
0: We just wanted to give one quick announcement that for the month of April and May, we are releasing our episodes fortnightly, so once every two weeks, which means our next episode after this one will air on April twenty-third, not next week.
1: If you are lost for content in the meantime, don't forget we have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. We have a site on Patreon. We are Patreon (laughs) patrons. How do you say that? We're Um, on Patreon. I would say
0: we have a Patreon just like you did.
1: You can support us on Patreon uh, to get access to even more content. We put out extra content. We've just done a bonus for Captain Marvel, and we are... Oh, I, we haven't even discussed this, but I'm assuming we're going to do a bonus for Avengers Endgame. Of course. Yeah, so watch out for that in a couple of weeks. So next episode's 23rd, so if that comes out on 26th, probably fairly soon after that we'll record something. Mm-hmm. But you can go and hear outtakes, other shows we've done. We've done interviews with Lauren Shippen about Buffy and Angel. We've talked to each other about different movies. There's bonuses from some of the other shows we do. So it's a great place to go and fill in the empty place in your podcast list whilst we are cutting down briefly and trying to get a behead- bit ahead of ourselves in our recordings. So this week, uh, talking about superheroes, we've got a really good origin story. Harrison Ford is the fugitive. Um His superpowers of running away and looking a bit shocked at people.
0: <laughs> Spot on. Yes.
1: I kind of did that all the way through the watch. <laughs> Oh, really? (laughs) Silly superhero. Admittedly, that is Harrison Ford's superpower. Like that sort of open mouth, aghast look. Either, what, me? The the Han Solo look or Mm -hmm. the, I can't believe this thing is just happening, Indiana Jones look.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes, that is actually one of the things I want to talk about is how little Harrison Ford needs to talk when he's on screen. (laughs) Yeah, right. In anything Um, he does.
1: uh, The Fugitive. You've never seen the movie, Correct. Because that's the point of the podcast. Um, have you ever seen a TV show? Did you know anything about it? And why did you never watch this film?
0: Um, I didn't know there was a TV show. Okay. Until I read our outline. Mm-hmm. And then I got really confused about whether the TV show or the movie came first. And it turns out the TV show did. <laughs> Both. So, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't know anything about it. And uh, so this movie came out in 1992, three? Three, yeah. So I was like 10. I didn't care about action movies when I was 10. That's why I never watched it. I mean, I was watching, you know, like you're going to talk about in the history and production that, um, you know, this came out against Jurassic Park and Mrs. Doubtfire. So guess what I was watching? <laughs> Not watching The Fugitive. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
1: And since then, just never visited it?
0: Yeah, it was old. Okay. And And we know that prior to starting this podcast, my preconceived notions about old things being terrible really hampered my enjoyment of entertainment
1: <laughs> um one other thing i wanted to ask about going into this a lot of it was filmed in north carolina where you live uh, are you aware of it even from signs or local knowledge or the fact you can visit sets and wrecks and stuff
0: i was not okay. um, but i looked it up and it turns out that even there are still remains of that train wreck in Silva, mm. north carolina that you can go see had no idea although i did have a momentary like questioning of where this was taking place like where it was mm. set because there was a moment while they were driving the bus um towards the prison where they passed a sign that said murphy was you know to the left or right or whatever right. and I'm quite familiar with Murphy, North Carolina now because I know someone who lives there. And I was like, well, that makes it look like North Carolina, but this is Illinois. Oh, I'm sure there's a Murphy in other states. And then I came and looked at this and I was like, well, that probably actually was a sign for Murphy, North Carolina. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I had no idea. Um, I should be more aware of things that are filmed in North Carolina because a lot of stuff gets filmed here. Mm. I just am not.
1: It certainly used to. Like there was a lot of yeah, this kind of 70s, 80s, 90s of stuff being filmed there. So I wonder if there, there was a thing at the time of tax breaks, production companies based there, that kind of thing. Since this, it's obviously moved a lot to overseas. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the amount that you see London in films tells you a lot about the uh, stuff they get for filming over here. Obviously, Vancouver doesn't even look like Vancouver anymore. It looks so much like right. San Francisco and uh, LA. Um, and Atlanta is now the city that looks like every other city. Mm. You hear Atlanteans talk about Atlanteans. That's people from Atlantis, isn't
0: it? <laughs> it is people from Atla- Atlantis, but it works.
1: Atlantans. <laughs> no, that makes them sound like they're lights. Um, but yeah, they they talk about it. They're like, oh, yeah, this was filming. That was around the corner.
0: <laughs> yeah, Yeah.
1: I, I saw Captain America do a thing.
0: Yeah, I I know that part of Iron Man was filmed here in North Carolina, uh, but that was so long ago that I really haven't kept up with it, so I I don't even know if stuff is still filmed here. (laughs) Like, for me, the recent things that were filmed here were Dawson's Creek and One Tree Hill, which was, you know, 15 (laughs) years ago.
1: Oh, at most. At at least, yeah. (laughs)
0: At least, yeah. So...
1: Okay, a bit about The Fugitive. Fugitive is a 1993 action thriller directed by Andrew Davis. It was based on a 1960s television series of the same name created by Roy Huggins. It stars Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. The film was a big success. It was the third highest grossing film in 1993, behind Mrs. Doubtfire and Jurassic Park. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards, Best Picture, Supporting Actor, Cinematography, Film Editing, Original Score, Sound and Sound Editing. It won the Best Supporting Actor Award for Tommy Lee Jones' portrayal of U.S. Marshal Gerard. A spin off was released in 1998, the film U.S. Marshals, about Gerard and his team, hunting for a hitman. Harrison Ford was not involved in that film. This film came early in the trend of reimagining classic TV shows into movies. Dragnet, The Untouchables and The Addams Family are standout examples from the few years before. In the years that follow this, you get movies like The Brady Bunch, Sergeant Bilko, The Flintstones, Mission Impossible, Lost in Space. The Fugitive remains the only film adapted from TV to get the Best Picture nomination. Wow. Mm. Nice. And when, when you look at the list, films adapted from TV do not often do well for long. I mean the the list that we've got there there's a few that have sequels but things like the Flintstones, the Adams family, the the Brady Bunch their sequels end up being kind of straight to video. Mhm. Mission Impossible is the one that you'd point to as having spin-offs, uh sequels, but that is like it took 6 years, it took 6 years, it took 5 years, it took 4 years and now it's a sort of proper modern franchise. Right um star trek is probably the only one but it's not part of this reimagining it's just that's how they continued it mm-hmm. i almost put batman on the list I, I i can't quite bring myself to say it's a reimagining of a tv show it kind of was because everyone the popular consciousness of batman was the uh adam west serial right but it's not just a tv show
0: we did get that um mm batman-esque fugitive-esque whatever um get smart was a tv show first and then they did do a tv i mean a movie adaptation of that with anne hathaway and and
1: steve carell yeah it's it's absolutely still happening um 21 jump street others that i now can't remember off the top of my head um you know it it is still something that happens the the modern trend is turning into a comedy Or Mm. taking a comedy and making even more of a comedy. Whereas this kind of thing of The Fugitive, Mission Impossible, Lost in Space, The Untouchables, you know, let's take a big idea and do the film just on the idea. Mm. Rather than the, what used to be episode by episode, Planet of the Week, City of the Week, (laughs) Struggle of the Week kind of thing. Right. Which is, like, it is very much what The Fugitive was. It was him traveling around, and occasionally you had episodes of him trying to evade Gerard or trying to find the one-armed man. But it was also him helping people in each town. It was the A-Team Knight Rider quantum leap model.
0: Mm -hmm. It's interesting that you mentioned the film U.S. Marshals, Mm -hmm. because I did not realize that was actually related to The Fugitive. Mm. And I did see the U.S. Marshals. I don't remember anything about it, but I knew Wesley Snipes was in it. Right. But except my brain had somehow confused it. And I thought Wesley Snipes was in The Fugitive.
1: Okay. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I got
0: really confused about what was going on. Right. But then you put that U.S. Marshals was actually a sequel slash spinoff of mm-hmm. this. And it made so much more sense.
1: Mm-hmm. I was So I thought, right, oh, The Fugitive, I will watch U.S. Marshals, I'll watch the TV show. Um, I didn't get around to U.S. Marshals. It doesn't get uh, the greatest rep.
0: Mm.
1: It's, you know, apparently okay. And then I found out that The Fugitive ran for four years.
0: Oh, wow. So I
1: thought, do you know what? I'm not going to have time to watch that at all.
0: Was the TV show just about, like, one single Fugitive? Yeah. For four years?
1: Yeah, it was just about uh, Kimball. He was a pediatrician. He was framed. No, I think it was that he was going to be killed, but it it still ended up that he was the fugitive. He was blamed for his wife's murder. It just took
0: a lot longer for him to, like, prove that he was innocent and get caught?
1: Yeah. um, So the finale is supposed to be wonderful and and really good and does wrap it up and and have stuff with the one armed man and so on. Um, I had conflated it with the prisoner. Because I think my dad had always spoken about The Fugitive and The Prisoner having amazing, you know, different final episodes, finales. Uh, and in my head, I'd, I, I think I'd sort of thought they were both fairly limited run series that didn't have too many episodes. So when I came to it, and went, oh, four years, crikey.
0: Right. Like
1: 120 episodes or something. Wow. Yeah. Apparently it was good all the way through. Apparently that ending is great. I'm probably not going to watch it.
0: Right. <laughs> Who has time?
1: Mm. so do you want to tell us what the fugitive is about
0: absolutely so dr richard kimball unjustly accused of murdering his wife must find the real killer while being the target of a nationwide manhunt led by a seasoned u.s marshal
1: with like piri piri seasoning
0: <laughs> what
1: <laughs> i'm making a seasoned joke because i'm very witty
0: <laughs> oh seasoned u.s marshal i got it okay <laughs> Oh, you're so funny.
1: I am. How were you able to watch this one?
0: So this one is difficult to find. It's actually not available to rent on Amazon. You can't even buy it on Amazon, which is shocking these days. But it is available to rent on voodoo.com. Okay. So it is out there, just (laughs) not in the places most people would normally look.
1: What's voodoo?
0: (laughs) It's, I mean, it's like amazon it's a it's a digital rental it's like blockbuster but online okay you know you can still maintain a digital library you can rent or buy movies there cool i'd never heard of it but it requires a whole separate account it's not like amazon where you can just log in and everything's there you know it's just an extra step right what about you
1: um same hard to find over here i was very surprised Uh, i actually ended up recording it on tcm on tv don't want to on a preview movie channel.
0: You've been able to do that a couple times recently.
1: Mm.
0: Look at you with your actual TV. I,
1: I think like the time we were going to record this, when because we've had to move the schedule, or oh, there was something recently where uh, maybe even the day we decided to watch it, I was just looking at the listings going, oh, hey, it's on. <laughs> I'm going to record it.
0: Yeah, you almost had to buy the DVD for this one, if I remember mm. correctly. Yeah, that was it. Yeah.
1: Crazy. Okay, uh, Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, have you seen them in anything else? What's your
0: experience of them? Well, we have talked about Harrison Ford on the show before. Mm. We've done Harrison Ford movies on the show before. Um, so I'm not going to rehash that. Um, Tommy Lee Jones, this is the first we've done. I had, I had a look at his list because I felt like we might have talked about him before, but I don't think we have. I really know him from Men in Black. Let's be real. Right, yeah. Right? I mean, come on. And we did a Tommy Lee Jones movie over on Southern Fried Pop Culture last year. We did The Client, um, where he played the attorney general. Um, okay. Great performance. Uh, I had seen U.S. Marshals. I don't really remember that story. I just remember his face. And then I was reminded that he was actually in Captain America. Mm. I always forget that. And then I'm like, oh, right. <laughs> it's that dude. But he has one of those faces that he's just, everybody knows who Tommy Lee Jones is. Mm-hmm. Or at least everybody our age and older i don't know if the younger people do but
1: yeah he's um one of the oh what's a good way of saying it esteemed actors in an mcu film pretty much every mcu film has an actor of a generation beyond our star
0: right Uh, and he's one of the first Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: (laughs) for for better or less effect depending on who you cast
0: (laughs) (laughs) yes But we're not going to talk about the MCU. No, no,
1: absolutely. This this definitely was one of the roles that really brought him to attention. Um, He'd done Under Siege and JFK and a few things. Well, no, he'd done quite a number of things. But I don't think anything that had huge recognition. And then suddenly he does this. And then he does The Client and Batman Forever and Men in Black over a few years.
0: I still think Men in Black is his best performance ever
1: hmm ever oh discuss
0: <laughs> um that's just because that's the one that i like the most out of all right. movies that i've seen
1: listeners let us know your favorite performance by tommy lee jones
0: and if it's not men in black you're wrong <laughs> i mean we're not talking about men in black two or three just straight up men in black
1: okay <laughs> right we've already talked about the tv show you've not seen it you weren't aware of the tv show So, did you enjoy the film, The Fugitive?
0: I did. I'm really glad that I did. Okay. I
1: did. I
0: I wasn't sure I was going to. Okay. Although, honestly, I mean, it's Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. How was I not going to enjoy it? But there are still some action movies that just aren't really my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. But... This one kept me fully engaged. I never looked at the clock to see how much time was left. I was just in it.
1: I it described it up top as a, an action thriller. And I think it has a bit of a split personality about what it is. That first hour of the film is pretty much an action film. It's non stop, It does not take a breath. It goes from set piece to set piece very well. It is written incredibly mm-hmm. well. And then the second hour slows way down, like the pacing almost stops at at a couple of points. And it becomes a thriller. It becomes an investigation. It becomes trying to prove his what's going on and hide from Gerard and a bit of a chase through different things, which is much more of the the thriller aspect than the action aspect. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back into being an action film with a chase through a building.
0: Right. I had a moment where I worried that the entire two-hour movie was literally going to be Tommy Lee Jones- Chasing Harrison Ford on foot, mm. because that's what the first hour was. Yeah, I thought, oh wow, is this really all we're gonna get? Um, because I always thought I had seen clips of the confrontation they had at what is it a dam maybe or yeah. I don't know where where all the water yeah. was. Like I had seen clips of that and stills, and so I think I always thought that was more like the climax of the movie, and okay. so when that came early on. I was just like, wow, what else is going to happen? Is this all we get? Right. <laughs> but then we actually go back in the city and, and we get the actual investigation of, mm. you know, Kimball trying to prove what happened, which was nice. But then there was a moment I wasn't so sure.
1: Yeah. And it, it's written really well. It's really hard to do. How is this guy getting away from... You either have to have people who aren't chasing him appropriately or you have to have... Him actually getting far away very quickly, right, and this film does it really well that you've got this very capable, very good team who are skilled at what they do, and he's only just a step ahead of them all the way and and to to the extent they end up um visiting the prisoner at the same time as him because they think that's where he's going to go, like they mm. have done the same sort of detective work,
0: yeah, and it's just that Kimball had a head start that keeps mm. him ahead,
1: yeah. And, and at that point, only just like a few steps ahead, literally. Right. Mm. Yeah, I think for me, the writing is the the best bit of this film.
0: Which is interesting because there's almost no dialogue in this movie.
1: Oh yeah the 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 actual yeah the dialogue the the scripting is really restricted. Um,
0: at least between. The, the two main characters like the supporting yeah. cast has tons yeah. of dialogue because they're mm. the ones who are giving the orders and actually doing the detecting mm-hmm. uh, you know um but Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones they're they've got think faces you know and that's <laughs> what we see
1: yeah <laughs> and and I it, as I was watching it, I did think like I think Mandy's gonna like this and the way they're doing it because in another film you would have harrison ford on the phone to people explaining what he's doing Mm -hmm. but we had none we had none of that telling us what he's doing we were seeing him doing something and we're not sure we're not sure and then it's like oh he's looking into the one-on man and trying to figure this out now he's okay he's looking at drugs i'm not quite sure what's going on there but they're just showing us the thing and then they explain it at the appropriate time
0: yeah so it's interesting that you said that you were conflating the tv show the prisoner and the tv show the fugitive Mm. Because this movie reminded me of one of the episodes of The Prisoner that I liked. And of course, I can't remember the episode name, but it's the one where he didn't speak for the first 20 minutes of the episode, the one where yeah. he escaped on the boat. Mm-hmm. And I got the same vibes from the first half of this movie because we were experiencing it with the character rather than being told what's happening exactly like you were just saying. right? And I really enjoy that you know me well enough at this point to know that that's something that is really going to get my attention and it absolutely did
1: and and I really like I I mean Harrison Ford doesn't always play characters as smart but he plays smart characters Mm -hmm. but they set up very early like okay this guy's really clever He's, you're not going to be able to catch him. And he, just his throwaway things of speaking Spanish to get through the, um, reception area and helping the kid out because he can't help but help the kid out. Him pretending to dust the blinds to kind of keep the ruse up. Like this is a guy who's thinking of everything. Right. And it's, it doesn't leave you any scope for going, Oh no, someone would have interrupted him. Someone would have done this thing. Like at every step. It's absolutely believable what's happening.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Throwing yourself off a dam, your mileage may vary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, that's the one thing he did that I'm just not sure about. And right. I guess he was just so desperate at that point. It was either this is going to get me out of the situation or it's going to kill me. And either one is better than where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah. He's on death row. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Did you root
0: for either Kimball or Gerard? Well, of course I rooted for Kimball. <laughs> okay. I mean, he's the main character. He didn't kill his wife. And, I mean, they the movie was honest with the audience up front. Mm. You know, they didn't show us the whole story, but they showed us enough to know that he didn't actually kill his wife.
1: Okay. You, you didn't doubt that, despite I the I
0: never doubted it. Even, okay. even when we got the courtroom flashback where they played the 911 call and Ooh. she said, Richard is trying to kill me. Yeah, And they never actually explained that bit. But it never once made me actually think it was him. It was, this is edited weird. She was obviously in a lot of distress. She's dying while she's saying this. So, mm. you know, it it's not entirely reliable. Yeah. But I never questioned it.
1: Well, she can, I, I think the point is she can hear him in the house. So she's also trying to shout for him. But the way it sounds just oh. to someone recording is she's saying, Richard, still in the house, trying to kill me. Yes. Mm.
0: Actually, that makes a lot of sense.
1: Which, you know, it's circumstantial, but it's really well done. Yeah. That's solid. And and we haven't seen that. So when it comes at that point of the film, you go, oh, wow. <laughs> this guy's screwed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was screwed from the beginning. They never... They never gave him the benefit of the doubt at all, even from Mm. that first interview with the cops. Like, I thought they were trying to set up this good cop, bad cop thing, but it was really they had just already pegged him as guilty, and they there was no sympathy or empathy that this man had just violently lost his wife. Mm. And that was a little bit hard to watch.
1: Now, the reason I ask about who you rooted for is... Tommy Lee Jones is, he's deserving of the Oscar. He is charismatic. Mm-hmm. He is good at his job. In any other film, if, if, to the extent there is obviously the US Marshals film, it is about him trying to catch people mm-hmm. and what he goes through to do that. And it, it works. It is believable. He's interesting to watch the process. I, I mean, this is in some ways, it's, it's criminal minds or any of a number of other films uh, and tv shows of that type about the process of trying to catch people through deduction
0: yeah i'm actually hearing you talk about it i'm reminded of heat mm. just because we get the same level of attention to both sides Yep, we get to see the fugitive and the man who's trying to catch him. And Mm. we can understand the thought processes of both of them. And I think you you asked me the same question about heat, which one did I root for? (laughs) Um, And it's interesting. I think in both cases, it was not the cop. Mm. (laughs) Even though on one movie, he was innocent, and on the other one, he was guilty. Um, And I think it's because with Sam, I, I didn't understand his motivation enough. I didn't believe... That he cared about anything other than catching a fugitive mm. um, because he gave that great line up front. You know, Kemble says, I didn't kill my wife. And Sam says, I don't care because his job is not to prove Kimball's guilt or innocence. That's already happened. His job is to get a convicted felon back into mm. the system, you know, and that's all he cares about. And so throughout the movie, I wasn't sure he was ever going to evolve out of that space. That he was ever going to care enough to try and do the right thing. Right. You know, even as he started putting the pieces together and figuring out what Richard was doing and figuring out why Richard would do these things, because he figured out. I think probably earlier than anybody else did, a guilty man's not going to do these things. Mm. He is trying to prove something. But his focus was still on, I've got to catch this fugitive. And and so I had a hard time with his level of empathy, even though it turned out really well at the end. Just took a little while to get there.
1: Yeah, yeah in- interesting that you didn't root for gerard i I think i always assumed at some point it would work out well for both of them because we're being made to like both of them Mm -hmm. but it's not clear what's going to happen and and when we finally get to that final confrontation where he goes after charlie um and charlie obviously turns on him when we get the full revelation about what's going on it's still not clear if he's just going to be shot by the cops
0: right so I still even had the thought, and, and they didn't answer this at all because of where they actually ended the movie, mm. even though he's proven innocent, and they know that he didn't do the thing that he was convicted of doing and went to jail for, he still committed a lot of crimes in the act of proving himself innocent. <laughs> so do, are there consequences for that? What do you want
1: there to be? Do you oh, wh- do you think, yes, there should be?
0: Oh, absolutely not. You okay. know, I think he did what he had to do to find justice for his wife, and that's really what it was about for him. It, I I don't think it was about him proving that he doesn't belong in jail. It was about him proving that s- he didn't do this to his wife. He loves his wife, and the person who did kill her is still out there. Right. You know, and so his motivation I don't think was ever actually selfish. Okay. I mean, it probably was a little bit. But I I think I think he's a hero and deserves a medal. (laughs) That's what I think.
1: I absolutely think he should be facing some sort of charges somewhere. I I think the outcome should be, but for time served, we'll put you on a suspended sentence or something. Mm, Okay. Um,
0: That's probably more fair.
1: But, no, if you're committing a crime... (laughs) <laughs> you can think it. it's reminding me there was a, so I watched a rugby match of the week and there was a big fight at one point someone shoved someone else over for a bad tackle big ruck on the field one of the one of the players headbutted the other one who wasn't even involved in the first frack car and the two players who started it got sent off for 10 minutes the person who headbutted someone got sent off for the rest of the match like just because the first thing isn't right you can't then do further things that aren't right either
0: right hmm so Okay, let's so let's talk about some like moral ethics here. What would have been the appropriate course of action for him? I mean, if you were in his shoes, would you have done the same thing?
1: Mm, I, I definitely would have run. I think knowing he's innocent, because there is a difference between trying to prove you're not guilty and actually being not guilty. I okay. Think. Um. So I can completely understand him still running. I, I'm not sure he should have committed the crimes to do the thing. He should have just gotten away to a point where, or no, whether he should, what I would have done is something like try to get to a point where you can't be caught, whether you're in a different country or completely like in a basement somewhere, and then use those contacts that we see him using, but to do some of this research.
0: Although I'm not sure that would have served him well, since one of his primary contacts is the actual person who set up the murder. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he doesn't use him for anything other than money, though. Okay, that's fair. So, That's fair. Mm.
0: Honestly, I don't know that I would have even run, but that's okay. because I'm...
1: You'd have been hit by the train.
0: <laughs> yes, I actually probably would have been hit by the train. But I, I'm i a rules person. I would have been terrified of what would happen if I had tried to run. Um, I'm obviously not as smart as Dr. Richard Kimball, and so I wouldn't have been able to go through all of the things that he did. And I just, I don't know that I would have even run to, to put myself in a situation like that, which I don't know what that does about me, but.
1: Mm. I, I do like, I, there's a line in there, I think, about how they had already interviewed the one-armed man. Mm-hmm. Like, because when he starts researching it and he's looking up, you know, type of arm, type of, you know, which arm it is, all this kind of thing. I, I always watch that and think. Wait, why was this not done by people actually investigating? You know, the people trying to prove, you know, his lawyers Mm -hmm. trying to prove he was innocent and so on. And then we just get that throwaway line. But again, it explains what might have otherwise been a question of, okay, no, they've actually tried this. And it's just his his criminality, you know, his breaking in, his finding the photos and leaving them for the police to pick up uh, and for the marshals to pick up that helps prove his innocence. Because the cover-up is so good. You know, quite quite often the cover-ups are not good enough. This was cover- covered up properly.
0: Right. Mm. Yeah.
1: Let, let, you mentioned the train crash, or I mentioned the train crash. One of us mentioned train crash. Um, this was my first experience of back projection in films. So the art of acting in front of a cinema screen.
0: Oh, that's sort okay.
1: Of showing whatever you're supposed to be acting against. It, you see it most often when people are driving. And it's back projection of a, a street they're going past. And I can remember seeing a making of... Because th- this was right in the time when I was watching the Saturday morning shows about what movie's coming up and the making of movies and all this kind of thing. Um I, I was so excited for Jurassic Park, and I watched so much about how they made it. <laughs> um, and I can remember showing they actually staged this crash and filmed it, and then they projected that crash behind a built-up green screen. It might even have still been blue screen at that time Um beh- with, for house and climbing on blue boxes and then jumping off them okay uh, and when you like it it is only a few seconds that you see the crash with him there and when you pause it you can tell but it is done very very well okay it looks really good
0: yeah i it i didn't even notice <laughs> like it, it just it, it was a train crash to me
1: yeah which tells you how well it was done yeah um because back projection you can pretty much always tell
0: yeah, There's well, especially like, like driving a car—that's so obvious mm. on those. So you are right; they did do this really well.
1: We we talked about that shot in Superman, where where they've got back projection of her of him having acted as Superman, so they can have him coming in as Clark Kent in the same camera shot. But you can tell when you actually look at it, you go, "Oh, yeah, that quality is way way worse than what they're actually filming."
0: Right? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd ne- like, and since this. It just explains, like, oh, that's how that thing works. Oh, that's really clever. I would never thought of that.
0: (laughs) I like it when you get to watch movies that teach you about how movies are made. Mm. Because it really excites you. It's great. And
1: 1993, just thinking back on this. So I mentioned about how this was nominated for the Best Picture. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was a little bit... uh, This was the standout film of, really? That's on that list? Because the other films that were nominated were, like, The Piano. In the Name of the Father, The Remains of the Day, Philadelphia, Schindler's List. You know, big, worthy films that have messages and meaning and morals. And then The Fugitive, which is a good thriller. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But it's not on par with some of those other films. Right. Mm. 1993 was a very good year. Or 92,
0: 93. Yeah. Mm. All right. So I have a, a plot question. Go on. For you. So at the beginning of this movie, when we have the train crash the assumption made by everybody before Gerard shows up is that all the prisoners are dead. Yeah. Why would they make that assumption when they don't have bodies for everybody? Is it just laziness?
1: Mm, I, I think they're showing us, A, that that guard who ditched him is is a worthless POS. <laughs> but I think they're using it as an opportunity to show Gerard's capability early on. Okay. You know, he is asking the right questions, doing the right thing. He is someone that we're going to have to pay attention to.
0: Okay. So in that same vein, though, why did they only focus on Kimball when there was another fugitive that escaped alive?
1: Well, how good is that moment where they turn up at the house and it is the other fugitive?
0: Right. But they don't even ever actually mention that in the movie. Like, we know because we recognize his face, but they didn't say anything about oh this guy was on the train too you know it i don't know it just it felt weird well
1: he does not have the superpowers he is not the fugitive he's <laughs> fugitive kid son right. of fugitive um <laughs> but I, I think they are always looking for both of them they're setting up the perimeter in the same way they're looking into it and and so they they make a comment of oh we got a tip you know someone saw him in a car someone saw him pick up this woman whatever Uh, And that has led them to this fugitive but the film is setting up the misdirect so you think they're coming for kimball but actually they're coming for the other one and you get a really nice set piece in that house and him shooting the guy shooting the guy with barely a hesitation it's really good
0: oh yeah that led into that really great line to his i don't know team member Mm -hmm. i don't bargain yeah dude can you imagine working for him like, yeah. knowing that he's going to let your life go any minute. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's tough. Uh,
1: and that is, uh, you know, I can say the writing's good and some of the performances are good. Uh, Jones and his team are the best thing about this. Fully yeah. deserving of the uh, the Oscar for him. But the team, like I say, they are capable. They know what they're doing. Um, I I really like the point that you made earlier about how he says, I don't care. This is a guy who hunts guilty people who run. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And he has never seen anyone not be guilty. And he has, it is sort of implied, always gets his man. Uh, And so he doesn't care because everyone says they're innocent. And he captures them anyway. Because if you care, you can't do your job but the team actually goes through the right steps to get all the people, you know, they get this tip and they get the, the uh, fugitive two. Um, and, and then they go after Kimball. And then when it's clear, there's something else going on here, then they start investigating, but then they're, they're asking the right questions. And it's it the great moment where Jones comes into the room and he says, didn't I say that was me? You know, I'm the big dog. No one questioned the big dog. And then they start talking about, wait, that's an elevated train. And he goes, wait, how is it an elevator train? How do you know that's an elevator train? It could be a train. It could be an underground train. It could be an elevator train. It could be any kind of train train. Right. And then they prove it's an elevator train. He's like, see, didn't I tell you? <laughs> so as good as he is, he's not always, you know, his team help him and, and support him.
0: Right. He's not infallible.
1: Absolutely. But you have that, the great moment when they go to see the prisoner, when when they meet. Kimball, during the St. Paddy's Day Parade, and he says about, you know, you take the lift, you wait for the lift, I'm going to take the stairs. And I can't remember exactly what the line is, but the team members make a comment about like, ah, oh, you, you shoot him away, you know, with your whatever. They really wanted to spend time with him in the lift because they have a lot of respect for him, they want his attention, they want to learn from him. Mm-hmm. You know, it informs a lot of the relationships amongst them. Right. I yeah. love it.
0: Mm. Um, while you were talking, I was reminded of another moment because you said something about how at, at some point they're actually investigating, mm. not just trying to find him. And I, I'm i not sure they are actually investigating other than trying to recreate the, recreate the steps that Kimball is doing so that they can find him quicker. Oh, absolutely. Like, at, yeah. at that point, they're not investigating the murder. They're investigating what Kimball is doing. Mm. And it even... Even up until the end, like when the helicopter, when everybody's on the roof and the the Chicago PD is in the helicopter trying to shoot him and Gerard is like, tell them to get the helicopter out, tell them to stop shooting. You know, for a split second, you think they're trying, he's doing it to so that Kimball doesn't get shot because he knows mm. Kimball is innocent at this point. But then they're like, why? And he's like, because I don't want to get shot. Yep. You know, so even right up until the end, you're still not quite sure what Gerard's stake is in this. Mm. Is it still he's just trying to get his man despite all of the things that he's seen? Or does he really believe this man is innocent? And you really don't know that until it's over. Yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and and exactly like you say, He's not innocent. By this point, he has committed crimes. Yes. So he is but now on murder. the wrong. <laughs> s- no, but he is now on the wrong side of the law and should be taken in handcuffs. As much as you get the touching moment with him taking the handcuffs off him, right? There, there is a reason to arrest this guy. So that's what he does because he's yeah. a good lawman. He is. And you don't often see that. You you often get. Either the Al Pacino from Heat thing where they're, uh, you know, sh- they are shades of grey themselves, or the guards that we see in this one, the kind of bungling, you know, not quite good enough.
0: Yeah, or you get the, the cops who believe the wrong thing, like, they believe he's a cop killer. Hmm. And, and so they don't care about evidence, this is just a belief they hold, and they're not going to try to figure out what happened, they're just out for blood
1: yeah okay you've mentioned the cop let's let's mention let's talk about the cop that gets shot did you ever watch the tv show scrubs
0: no not really
1: okay the chap playing the guard is the janitor in scrubs okay okay Me- he's a main character in every episode and he makes the type the main character of, Sc- of scrubs jd he makes his life hell he is awful to him neil flynn i think is the guy's name um, really bad to him in every episode. Oh, uh, bullying, bullying, maybe, maybe not, but it's very funny. Okay, there is an episode where JD is watching TV and he's watching The Fugitive, and Neil Flynn comes on as this guard, <laughs> and he then goes in and confronts him. And they say, "It's like you were in The Fugitive, this guy, it's you, you were in The Fugitive." And the, and the janitor is like, "No, no, wasn't me. Was no, was not me." And and this goes on for the whole thing. And there's there's funny stuff about it. Him refusing to accept it, him saying, no, it wasn't me. And then something happens between them at the very end. He does the sort of finger guns thing and goes, Kimball, freeze. And then he goes on with his day. (laughs) And it's such a wonderful sort of meta twist on axes.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's beautiful.
1: So there we go. Quick aside.
0: Quick aside. Yeah. (laughs)
1: um so I, I think jones and the team are the best thing about this what are your favorite things about this film you've just watched
0: so i alluded to it just a moment ago but the moment at the end where uh sam gerard reveals that he actually believes kimball is innocent when kimball says i, I don't remember if he says i didn't kill my wife or if he says that man killed my wife talking about nichols but gerard looks at him and he says i know it richard I know it. And it is so sincere and so full of feeling and empathy, which we hadn't seen from him at all in the whole movie. It's an amazing moment. It's amazing payoff after the previous two hours. And I think that's my favorite thing about the movie, because you never know where he is until he says it. Mm. And for, like you say, the writing is fantastic because it's not formulaic. It's not predictable. It's not one of these things where you just know up front how it's going to end. Yeah. Because I I didn't really know how this was going to end at all. I didn't know if, you know, is he just never going to prove himself innocent? Is he going to be recaptured? Is he going to be recaptured, but they still prove him innocent, but it doesn't matter because he's on the run? Like, I just didn't know. And for them to keep me guessing until the end, it's spectacular.
1: Mm. Really hard to do, yeah.
0: It is really hard to do. And I I think every time that we've watched a movie where this has happened, I always talk about it. Because there are so many movies that are just so formulaic that even when I'm watching a movie I've never seen before, sometimes I can just go, oh, I know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, I can be like, oh, that's the bad guy. Or, oh, here's what the twist is going to be. And... When I can't do that, it just makes me happy. So, fantastic.
1: It, it was interesting watching this with Catherine because she knew there was obviously going to be thriller type, you know, elements and levels and deceptions going on. So as we're watching, she's like, it's her. She's behind it. She's the one. No, it's him. He's the one. I don't trust him. He's just come on screen.
0: <laughs> yeah. It never occurred to me that it was Nichols either until really? the until we find out he lied. Right. You know, but it, it took a couple of iterations because we, we met him when Kimball stopped him at his car to get money. Mm-hmm. We met him when he talked to Gerard. And in that moment, when he's telling Gerard that, you know, I did see him, but of course I helped him, you know, and I believe he's smarter than you, he's smarter than me, you know, he said all of the right things. And I just took him as a friend in that moment. It yeah. didn't even occur to me until we found out like we knew he had lied at this point but it wasn't until we found out that he was Lentz's boss mm-hmm. that I realized all of a sudden what actually happened.
1: Yeah, and, and it it's really nice because it's not that uh, it's not the kind of Agatha Christie thing of you have to work really hard to piece it together. Mm-hmm. It's just that you are seeing them uncover this stuff as they investigate it. Mm-hmm. Just that these are not facts that are known by anyone. And then when you know them, you go, okay, I can now see how it's coming together. Right. But, but the whole drug trial thing does not become a thing until the last probably 20 minutes, maybe. Yes. They really have to work uncovering what has happened here.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, the other thing is I've already talked about it, just Harrison Ford's face acting. Yeah, you know he's so good at displaying emotion like he's got the like distraught husband down he's got like <laughs> you said that the, the slack jawed surprise like I can't yeah. believe that just happened you know hopelessness and then he's got this moment where you can just look at his face and see that all of a sudden he's hopeful mm-hmm. at the end you know it's, it's, it's good like he doesn't need words it's great there are so few actors who don't need words and he's mm-hmm. one of them it just makes me happy. And then um, we had the the surprise cameo of Jane Lynch, which is great.
1: <laughs> which, I mean, she looks proper young here. I was like, that's, that's the woman from Glee, right?
0: Yeah, I was like, oh, my God, that's Sue. <laughs> and then I Googled it to make sure I was right because I've never yeah. seen her with long hair, but it was actually her. It's like, I didn't expect that, which is mm. great.
1: And it's funny because I've, I've seen her in a few things recently. Like, she's much more prolific than... I think she I'd realise, but it is still Glee that is the one that I go back to.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's her, like, character.
1: Yeah. I, I. So, let's mention the women in this, because there are not many. This is definitely not a film that passed the best dog test. Oh, no. Um Which, you know, it's a film about a man chasing a man. So, okay. But he could have done a little bit more. Julianne Moore is wonderful in everything she does and she's got such a small role here but she still can't hide it she acts (laughs) harrison ford off the screen when she's on
0: (laughs) i don't know i was disappointed Oh, really with with her role and maybe it's just the role in general i was disappointed with because i Mm. saw her name pretty early on in the credits yeah and so i was expecting her to have a much larger role i think her name came like right after Celia ward's name and so – or or at least, like, within just a couple of people. And so I was expecting her to have a much larger role. And even in my thoughts, Doc, I'm like, she was in the credits. Where's Julianne Moore? We haven't seen yeah. her yet. And then she shows up, and she's on screen for all of 30 seconds. Mm. And, I mean, it's a it's a good 30 seconds, but, I mean, really? Did she think he was just going to stand there just because she says, you stand right there?
1: I would have stood there. She is very commanding. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I mean, she was just so righteously indignant when this man just saved her patient's life and she knows he did. I don't know. It was just frustrating. But you're right. She's a great actress. Yeah. It's, and, it's and the I, character I have problems with, not the right. performance.
1: I, I think part of that is in comparison to Jane Lynch because Jane Lynch is not great in this. It's a little one note. Uh, part of that is apparently there was a thing in the writing that they, they were planning to introduce a romantic element with either jane lynch or julianne moore i I think if the end writing ended up as julianne moore which is why she got more there but it utterly wouldn't have worked if you'd had him sleeping with someone or or even anything romantic because he's supposed to be mourning his wife and that's a bit too much of a distraction
0: yes oh i'm so glad they didn't do that
1: yeah absolutely um you mentioned the credits those credits blooming awful
0: (laughs) Oh, my God! <laughs> the
1: weird twisty letters thing yes. like Tommy Lee, and then twisting around and becoming Jones no yeah
0: <laughs> yeah i I noticed that that was I think one of my first things in the doc is that's just really weird <laughs> and, and then the, the the credits start and then they stop for a whole piece, and then
1: they begin again. the credits technically go on for about fifteen minutes, but so that's because they stop for ten minutes, mm. and then they go, "Hey, lads, we haven't put the the director and producers in yet. <laughs> quick, get them in." <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, it was weird. What about you? What did you like about this movie? I mean, clearly we both liked it. We enjoyed it.
1: Oh, we've covered everything I like.
0: <laughs> oh, I guess we did. Okay.
1: Yeah. The woman. Uh, and uh, I mean, the only other woman I can think of is his wife. And mm-hmm. Sailor Ward is fine. There's not a lot to do with that role. But there is also the woman on Gerard's team who I'm not sure is given a name.
0: No, she's just Rose from Lost for Me. Oh, is she? Is
1: is that Rose? Yeah. Wow. So I'm going through the list to see if she has a name, but I can't
0: tell. But she had to. Uh,
1: Let's have a look on IMDb. Pool. According to this. But that that in some ways is the sort of thing you can talk about with the casting, like any of his team. In fact, any of the characters in this could have been men, could have been women, could have been a person of colour, could any nationality. Right. At least there was one. They probably could have done more. But she's still treated as good as the rest of the team. There's oh, yeah. No, there's she no wasn't of,
0: the yeah. woman on the team. She was a member of the team. Like, she yeah. wasn't relegated to coffee and secretary. Exactly. She was a skilled member of the team who had mm. her own things to do.
1: Yeah. So it's worth worth giving a shout out when, you know, you see something good. Yeah. Uh, and let's just go through the minor characters, because Andreas Kutsalas as the one-armed man, Frederick Sykes, he is better known as the Romulan commander from Next Generation, who turns up in a couple of episodes, Commander Tomalock.
0: Um,
1: and he's okay. one of the main aliens in Babylon 5.
0: I so, still haven't seen Babylon 5.
1: Uh, I haven't either. I just don't know who he is. Okay. Um, so it's just cool. It's like, oh, hey, it's Tomalock. <laughs> he's in, <laughs> he's in four episodes of the next gen, including the finale. All good things. Okay. And it's not often, you know, bit parts get to come back on Star Trek. Right. So is there anything else that we need to discuss about The Fugitive?
0: There's a, I guess, a trope, I guess, or a joke that's been made out of the line, it was the one-armed man. <laughs>
1: it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man.
0: <laughs> Did that originate with the TV show or with the movie?
1: Uh, probably both. Okay. Um, I, I know it from The Mask. You remember when we talked on uh, Roger Rabbit and I said about the line about Harvey and not understanding that line because it's a reference to something I don't know? Mm -hmm. That was exactly the same. Watching the mask and going, wait, what one arm man? And then seeing the fugitive sometime later going, ah, I bet this is it.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So whenever I hear that line in my head, I hear it the way he said it in the mask. Mm-hmm. But I knew it came from something, and then I realized this whole movie, they were talking about the one-armed man, and so then I Googled it, and all the references were The Fugitive, and so then I was like, where did it actually come from? And so I wasn't really sure, yeah. but it's interesting that it's uh, it, it's something that is iconic, mm-hmm. but I think it's more iconic because of the mask. Yeah. I don't know.
1: Um. I'm- I mean, in the TV show, The One-Armed Man doesn't get a name. So it is just The One-Armed Man. So that's probably more what it's referencing. I mean, this is obviously based on that anyway. Right. But this brought it back into popular culture. Okay. Mm, It's only for our generation.
0: It was The One-Armed Man. It wasn't me. It was The (laughs) One-Armed Man. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah all right well if you would like to join the conversation you can use the hashtag pc deprived on twitter you can find us on twitter facebook and instagram at eloquent gushing or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. you can find each of us on twitter i'm at mandy k
1: and i'm at Vose. don't forget to visit our patreon page patreon.com slash eloquent gushing anything you give even one dollar a month it gives access to exclusive content and helps to develop other shows you can also find those other shows on our homepage, eloquentgushing.com.
0: And we'll be back in two weeks with another episode where we'll talk about LA story. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kaye
1: and our fugitive has been on the run for 90 minutes average foot speed over uneven ground barring injuries is four miles per hour that gives us a radius of six miles what i want from each and every one of you is a hard target search of every gas station residence warehouse farmhouse hen house outhouse and doghouse in that area checkpoints go up at 15 miles your fugitive's name is dr richard kimball go get him